Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Rough Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Reza Aslan. You may know me from my appearances on the news media, where I try to cause as much trouble as possible, or my books. I'm a scholar of religions. I'm a professor. Uh, I do some TV producing. Look, I do a lot of different things. But fundamentally, what I am, first and foremost, is a writer. And that's what Rough Draft is about writing. It's about writers talking about writing and the writing life, what it means to be creative, what it means to try to express human emotions using nothing but words on a page or words in a song. You know, this show has existed in many forms. It used to be a live show. Uh, then it was a, a short-lived cable TV show. And then now it's a streaming show on topic. But basically, it's always been the same thing. I sit down for drinks with a writer and we talk about the craft of writing, the themes that they write about, what it means to be a writer in this world. And before you think, oh God, not a podcast about literature. No, 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 this isn't that. Yes, it's true, I interview novelists, but I also talk to screenwriters and journalists and poets and musicians, and no matter what the medium they work in, the craft of writing is the same. I always say there are really only two genres of writing. There's good writing and there's bad writing. And this is a show about good writers. So, these episodes were originally recorded for the Rough Draft TV show. We recorded them in front of a live audience at a real bar while we were getting extremely drunk. But what you're going to hear on this podcast version is the extended interview with all the stuff we had to cut out for a time. And for our first episode, oh man, do we have a special one. Our guest is writer, comedian, and Golden Globe winning actor Rami Youssef star and creator of uh, the Hulu original comedy Rami, which is a reminder, if you ever get your own show, you should just name it after yourself. I mean, if I ever get my own show, I'm just going to call it Reza, which actually, now that I think about it, I do have my own show and it's called Rough Draft and not Reza. So that's something I should definitely talk to my agents about. But that's not even the point. The point is, this is one of my absolute all-time favorite episodes of Rough Draft. We talk about so many things. We talk about his childhood growing up in Queens to immigrant Egyptian parents. We talk about what it's like to grow up as a millennial and a first-generation American Muslim, someone who's struggling to reconcile his faith and his identity with the world around him, which also happens to be the entire plot point of his show, Rami, on Hulu. Uh, we talk about his life and his career, how he got started. We talk about his dad's connection to Donald Trump, 
which is a little bit of a surprise topic. You're going to love that. Uh, we play a little game called Who is the Better Muslim? And I won't tell you who wins that contest. I will tell you that I was drunk while we were playing it. So that should give you a clue. Um, we also talk about uh, how to join ISIS, if that's something that you happen to be interested in. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast uh, on your radio or on your pod device and you start hearing clicks or static, don't stress about it. That's just the CIA listening in on you, man. Don't worry about it. Um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to Rami, besides the fact that he's hilarious and talented and, and awesome in so many ways, is that, you know, for many, many years, people have been trying to get a Muslim protagonist on TV. I mean, I know I've been trying it. A lot of people have been trying. I'm not saying that there aren't Muslims on TV. There are. It's just that they're usually either the one planting the bomb or the one getting blown up by the bomb, right? There's always that good Muslim who pushes the white guy out of the way. And, and dies heroically. Uh, but we've never really had sort of the world through the eyes of a Muslim protagonist show before, certainly not successfully before. And that's exactly what Rami is. And it's a huge success going into its third season now. And part of the discussion that we pursue in this conversation, it has to do with the oldest adage in writing, right? It's the thing that you hear on your first day in any kind of writing class. And that's this, write what you know, write what you know. It's what everybody tells you to do, write what you know. Now, I'm not sure whether that's exactly good advice or not. Some people would say it's terrible advice. Um, one thing that I think is important to note that when people say write what you know, they don't necessarily mean write only about your experiences. What they really mean is that you have within you all the emotional knowledge necessary to invest your characters with depth and three dimensions, right? Uh, you may not know what it's like to be a woman, but you know what it's like to love and loss. So in, in, you know, in that knowledge, you can invest your character with your own emotional experiences. That's what we mean when we say write what you know. However, the fact of the matter is, is that most writers, especially most young, struggling, starting writers, tend to write about their own experiences. After all, what do you know better than yourself? So it only makes sense that you would mine your own experiences uh, when you're working on your material. But here's the question. What happens when your personal story becomes consciously or not, deliberately or not, representative of an entire ethnicity or culture or religion? And in Rami's case, a persecuted one at that, suddenly it's not your story anymore, right? Suddenly everyone in your community feels some measure of ownership over your story. And it puts a huge burden on you as a writer, as a creator, to not just be honest in telling your story, but also in recognizing that your story is shared by a lot of other people with a lot of expectations about how you're gonna tell that story. That's the main issue that we're going to talk about with our guest, Rami. And if that weren't enough, we have some extra special guests. Uh, we have joining Rami in conversation, Sahar Jahani, uh, a writer on the show, Rami. She's going to talk a little bit about, listen, if you think it's difficult to be a brown man in Hollywood, try being a brown woman in Hollywood. So we're going to get her uh, take on that experience and 
that's not even the end of it. We also have special musical guest L1011. L1011 will be performing as well. It's a great show. Hope you enjoy it. Rami, first of all, man, congratulations on all of your success. Seriously, mashallah. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> you, you are the, the pride of every brown mom. Oh, man. You really are. Oh, um, I, I don't no, know about this, that. No, but this is true. <laughs> For years and years and years, people have been trying to get uh, a Muslim protagonist on television. And, uh, and you did it. And you did it well. And, you know, you're the first to do it. I mean, I guess the first question that I want to ask you is, what's it like representing all Muslims ever? <laughs> how's, that, how's that feel? Yeah. Super easy, man. Yeah, it's super easy. The yeah, easy thing is that we're all the same, so it just kind of all, yeah, it all flows. And really I imagine well. everybody yeah, yeah. is totally cool with you. Yeah, your, yeah, no one has any your, problems yeah, with any of it. Yeah, no one's, everyone's pretty happy about it. It's, it's, you know, we went into, we had a lot of thoughts about this, obviously, when we're like making the show. What are we going to call it? What are we going to try to market it as and, and show it as. And, and so for us, it was really, you know, we called it Rami, not out of some like ego wanting to see my name on a billboard, but because we really wanted to highlight the specificity of it. Right. This is just based on stories that come from my stand-up, things that I find interesting, this character that is a fictionalized me, like that that's what we really wanted to zone in on. And we didn't want it to make it feel, you know, there was this thing that happened with the press where they were, they were saying like it's an average Muslim family, which was crazy <laughs> because you would never say like average Christian no, family. No. You would be like, well, what denomination are right. they? Do they live in the North? Do they live in yeah. the South? Are they like Trump Christians? Yeah. You know, or what, like, kind what kind of Christian? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there'd be all these questions where the idea average Muslim mm -hmm. family is basically just kind of saying they're not the ISIS like that's kind of like the the, the lower yeah, yeah. thing it's like no like but it's not yeah that, first of all can I just say how adorable it is that you thought that making it just about you would inoculate you from criticism <laughs> that's so sweet no 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 I I knew I knew I I would there would be scenes that would keep me up and episodes that would keep me up and and uh, you know talking to everyone and being like man this is going to be a really tough thing to put out there you know with your name on it yeah. Um, I didn't show my parents the show until like a couple of days before it came out. <laughs> I just wanted them to be able to tell they their friends. They knew it was happening though, right? They knew I it was happening, but I wanted them to be able to tell their friends like we couldn't stop him. Like he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't tell us anything. He didn't show us the scripts. He didn't show us yeah. anything. You know, he kept us in the dark. And, and that's kind of where I like to keep them so that, you know, it doesn't affect what we're doing. You know, because I care about what my parents think and I didn't want to like, you know, get that uh, fear put in me and then, you know, But it's such a, it's such a cool power move. I did something like that where I had a surprise wedding because I didn't want to tell my parents because mm -hmm. I didn't want to invite every Iranian in California. Yeah. And so I was just like, surprise, we're getting married. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. too late for you to invite anyone. I mean, you that's know? a, yeah, that would get you killed. So I, sure. I read some of <laughs> That's like what I did on TV. They're like, that's fine, but we're having a wedding. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's a big difference. Um, I read somewhere that, uh, and I don't know, maybe because you thought that you weren't, you weren't going to get past the first season, but that like yeah. the decision was made to just kind of cram the first season with everything. Yeah. Like, just like put everything into that first season. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, so much of it while we're in the room was just like save no idea. Just anything that 
we think would be really exciting that we feel like we have to say has to be in the show. So for me, it was seeing the real estate of 10 episodes and, okay, I got to say these things. I got to put them in. You know, we did a, we ended the season with my character going to Egypt. Mm -hmm. I mean, which was a thing we kind of did like a call with the network and they were like, oh, well, that would be cool for like a second season. We're like, no, let's just, (laughs) we don't know. I don't know if you guys are going to give me that. And so really wanting to put that all in. And inevitably, there was still so much that got left out. So I walked into season two with uh, so many experiences and also kind of like seeing these characters now that they're alive. I mean, the crazy thing about writing something for the first time with a a whole new slate of characters is when I I binged my show four days before the rest of the world got to. That was like the first time I right. actually got to sit down and watch episode one right. through episode 10. All when at you're, once. All at once. You know, yeah. when you're in production, you're rewriting something for a reshoot on one episode. You're seeing a cut of episode eight. Right. You have to put a song on episode two. You never really see what the whole thing is until almost everyone else does. That's the crazy part of streaming. There's no gap. It's just it's just out there. And so for me, going into second season, I just like, oh man, I like these characters and what do I want to grow with, right. with them, you know, and, and how, how can we make this even better? And and so it's really exciting to kind of use up every idea now, you know, yeah. and now it's like, yeah. okay, cool, we have 10 more and we're going to put, I'm going to put every idea I've ever had <laughs> that I didn't already use, you have use is now already. going in. Like, like, let's just go until we're on empty. So what I hear you saying is that you got nothing for season three. <laughs> like that's that's yes it. yes like I, ideally ideally yeah. nothing aliens aliens attack <laughs> yeah. explosions those are always good isis yeah yeah, yeah. No, at a certain a little isis plot line if that's know. how my show ends that would be pretty hilarious yeah <laughs> after, you like, joining ISIS? after like four seasons of just like he's just yeah. a normal guy and then <laughs> like, the last minute yeah i just yeah. go to isis.com <laughs> is, that how, is that how people sign up is I'm it pretty sure it's i genuinely org. have They're no idea how anyone signs yeah. up because i'm too scared to do it on my my phone uh like i'm too scared to just be like how or, do you join like because i don't know yeah how anyone does it or even google it like you don't know who's i can't google it in. no yeah. if anyone here could for us I, it would be awesome like somebody please, I feel like find, I want, out, <laughs> somebody please find out how you join isis <laughs> no because it um uh, i really yeah i don't know how anyone does it but uh i yeah i'm like too afraid to do anything like that on my right. phone when i was in school I, I went to rutgers uh university and we found out like a year after i left i didn't graduate i just i left uh, found out that the Muslim Student Association we were part of uh, had like NYPD dudes in it, you know, yeah. and they're like watching all our stuff and this and that. Yeah. And and I was like horrified. I was like, wow, they have seen so much porn that uh, <laughs> that I've been looking at. And then, but then after that, yeah, you get careful yeah. about what you're googling. You think that's bad? The bartender was actually ICE. <laughs> so it's really ugly. Um, let's talk about your childhood. You were born in Queens. Yeah. Right? No, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was born in Hempstead. Yeah, in New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Can we just call it Queens? We can so say Queens. People, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sounds yeah. cooler, I think. We can say Queens, yeah. um, Your parents immigrated from Egypt. Yeah. Right? Uh, when, when did they come here? Um, my dad came in the early 80s. My mom came in the late 80s. So they yeah. met here? Yeah, they met here. Yeah, they, like, they met in Queens. Uh, they grew up probably like 20 minutes from each other in Cairo and <laughs> met in Queens. Yeah. yeah, and they weren't cousins? You sure about they that? Were they not, were not. No, my grandparents were. Have though. you checked? Yeah, yeah. No, we, we You don't have a tail? <laughs> no. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then where'd you grow up? You grew up in Jersey. I grew up in Jersey. Tell me yeah. about what was, what was your childhood like? I mean, yeah. you, you and I have a lot of in common. One of those things is that we grew up kind of with... You know, and foot in in two different cultures, and yeah. and uh, I mean, I remember like having to to live two different lives, right? There was a there was, a, there was the person that I was in front of my friends, yeah, and then there was the person that I was when I got home. Is that uh, an, an experience you remember? 
Yeah, and it's also this thing too where like we spent all our summers in Egypt. So it's this weird thing where you kind of have like two months in this totally different place right. that is is as much a part of my life as where I'm spending the other 10 months. Yeah. And so really that that back and forth obviously makes you feel different on, on so many levels. And so kind of experiencing that, having a different language, being in a town where there weren't other kids like us, yeah, you kind of have that. And then for me too, it was like, pretty early on kind of having a spiritual practice in my life where it wasn't just cultural. It was, it was this thing where I was really excited to, you know, be Muslim. Like I liked it. And, and, and from an early age, which wasn't the same as like other people that I knew even who grew up the same way I did. Yeah. There was always like that, that kind of, you know, was there a um, family thing. Like was your, was your family very devout? Or? I mean, my dad was like, like he, he was very much like, I'm going to, my job is to show it to you. And then you do whatever you want. Like you make your choice. You know, he was like, I'm not going to make you do anything, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to show it to you, which was a total like Jedi mind trick when I look back on it. Because I was like, <laughs> he totally sold me on it. He was just mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, Islam, like he just kind of like, it might not be like, for <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just kind of like, <laughs> like lightly putting the Quran in the room and walking away. And I was like, this, oh, this is, this is pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your dad, um, I discovered something that I think a lot of people may not know about you. It might change the way that they think about you, of yeah. course, is that your dad used to work for Trump. He your dad did, used to work yeah. with Donald Trump. I believe he yeah. was uh, the head of Homeland Security. Is that right? That can't be. No, <laughs> no, no, no. He worked at the Trump Plaza. He I'm just kidding. Plaza. He was not the Secretary of Homeland Security. No. Uh, he worked at the Trump Plaza. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, Doing what? He was the the manager of the hotel uh, restaurant, like all the food and beverage stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it was something that I brought up in my stand-up. It was really bizarre because I, like, as a kid, just knew Trump as, like, this dude that my dad worked with. He was just, like, his did coworker. He, did he ever see him? Like, he, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. him. I mean, like, I'd seen him, I think, once. But we had this, like, picture of my dad and Trump. It was just, like, a normal thing. And then, That's you know, a totally normal thing. At the, totally at the, normal thing. Yeah, at, the, right. at the time, it was, it, yeah, it just felt like nothing. And then, yeah, and then now it feels like everything. Um, so you went to Rutgers, you said. Yeah. Um, you went there because um, I think originally you, you wanted to be a lawyer. I'm assuming because yeah, yeah, yeah. your mom was forcing you to be a yeah, lawyer. Yeah, Is yeah. that basically that what, what happened? Yeah. I mean, that's a very... And then I'm curious, because I also you know, have an immigrant mother. My, yeah. my mother basically was like, you could be three things. Okay, You could be a doctor, uh, an engineer... And then if you're not that smart, maybe a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, those are your three choices. Yeah. And I remember so clearly the day that I told her that I wanted to be a writer. And her response was, who's stopping you from writing? Yeah. <laughs> write all you want to. Yeah. You'll be yeah. a doctor, and then you just write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least she knew what writer was. Sure. Like, I want to be a part of that conversation when you told your parents that instead of being a lawyer, you were going to be a stand-up comedian. Like, how did that, yeah. how did that happen? Well, it was, it was like the, one of the first stand-up jokes I ever did was just the conversation I had with my mom because I, <laughs> I, I, I started acting first, and so I, I booked a job that right. brought me to L.A., like moved me to L.A. It was, it was a huge deal, like, for anyone who's trying to act. And my mom didn't get it. She was just like, that's amazing. You're going to be an actor. You'll meet so many actors. Then you could become a lawyer for actors. For, the, for those actors, like, right. That was exactly. her angle. Yeah. Like, it was just this intense Hollywood internship. Yeah. yeah, she was like, you could help them negotiate their contracts. And, and I was like, no, no, I, I have a, like, I have a contract. Yeah, guy. I'm doing yeah. the thing. And, and so it took, that was the, you know, the learning gap right. to, to get, yeah, how that's where long, we started. How long until they kind of, 
got what was happening? Um, it was it was cool. I mean, they came out and visited, and the first thing I ever shot was at Paramount Pictures, which was like mm. awesome. I was like so happy it wasn't at like Sunset Gower or something. Uh, but like it was I'm, like at because then they would have been like you're gonna be homeless. Uh, but they like showed up and they saw the Paramount logo and they were like, oh maybe this, this is, is a thing. This is a thing. Yeah, but then that show ended and my and my parents were still kind of pressing me about going to school and then. I think the first time they really were like, oh, you're going to be okay was, it was like a couple years after I, I did a couple acting jobs and I did stand up on Stephen Colbert and then mm. my parents were just like really happy and they were like, because they knew him. Like they didn't right. know anything about the show I was on. They were like, right. this is like some, we don't know what this is. We don't <laughs> right. know anyways. But I just did but like five minutes of yeah. stand up on Colbert. And I think there's something in my mom's mind that was like, oh, well, if he ever needs money, he'll call Colbert. Like as if like that would like help, like he'd help yeah, me. I'm like sure he I, would. And so that was the, that was <laughs> the switch. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I think he would actually. I, honestly, I'm if I did, would, yeah. I think if I asked him, he would send we'll, me. After the show, we'll call him. And I genuinely think Stephen Colbert would send me a minimum of $3,000 if I like needed it. Like if I called him and I was like, dude, I need three grand. I feel like it'd be like weird if he I, said no. It would be weird. It'd be kind of racist if he said no. I, I actually like, agree yeah. with it. It would be so yeah. weird. If I was like, yo, I need three yeah. grand. Yeah. Why would he say no? He has so well, much he money. He has so much money. It means nothing. He actually to him has so much money that uh, I would. Because <laughs> the blowback to me, like shit talking him for not giving it to me, would be worse. Because I'd just like <laughs> yeah, tell everyone, exactly. I'd be like, man, I really needed three grand, and Colbert like told and, me to fuck off. And everybody, like, that's weird. Oh, that, that's yeah. not like him. He yeah. seems like such a nice No guy. one would even question why I asked him. They would just be like, that's messed up. Um, so t talk about the road that takes you from stand up, you know, you're doing these. Uh, uh, guest spots on on shows. You book you book a, a an arc on um, Sam Ishmael's yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant yeah, Mr. Yeah. Robot. And yeah, he's genius. Um, what go? How do you get from there to having a show with your own name on it? Yeah, it. Uh, I, I really want to know. Like, I'm honestly asking because no. I would like to know how that happens. No, <laughs> I want a show called Reza. <laughs> yeah. Um, it. You know, it's like. It was acting is crazy. It's super brutal. I mean, I think it's you kind of go in and you got to be a certain thing for and, and I notice it now that I'm casting people. I feel really even more helpless about that whole venture because you really have to like I would watch people who are amazing actors and I'm like, yeah, but you're not the thing that I had in my mind when I wrote mm -hmm. the scene at two in the morning and like maybe you'll convince me that you're not but like that you could be the thing but it's it's so slim like people really go in looking for something and if you're not that thing you're just not and and, and i remember feeling that and kind of like going in and, and and having people be like oh man you're like i like what you're doing but like you're just not because i would never fit like the type you know mm. like they'd be like like the nerdy kind of best friend and they'd be like oh i mean like <laughs> you know you, we're not sure yeah. like maybe you're good looking we don't know but then like you'd go in for the lead and they'd be like well you're definitely not the lead and 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 they and they would get me like the ethnic role and they'd be like why aren't you indian like they just wouldn't yeah. get it they'd be like but your name why like and they you know they'd well, be very confused well you're screwed because you're not dark enough to play the terrorist yeah, yeah, yeah. either oh, like dude, that's I, like the money right yeah, like yeah, that's like yeah. that, that just those roles just keep there's so coming. many people who are like i would never play a terrorist and i was like i tried yeah. uh and, yeah. and they they would not let me they would just they would just not i would think you'd make a really good young rabbi yeah. like i i look at you and i that's think that's so funny that you say rabbi. that that's so I say that, but my mom yeah. uh, tells everyone to this day, anytime she comes on a set, she'll be like, oh, he played the rabbi in Fiddler in the Roof in high school, because <laughs> like, I did. That's like her yeah. favorite story to like tell people. Um, do you want to do a couple of songs? Uh, couple, no? Yeah, no? exactly. Maybe later. But if my mom was here, she'd make me. Uh, 
but yeah, it, it was kind of this weird acting trap. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. I was doing stand-up, and, and I was mostly kind of really excited to, to try and, like we're talking about, right? There, there hasn't mm -hmm. been a, a family that looked anywhere close to mine. And really what I wanted to crack was not just putting Arabs and, and, and Muslims uh, on TV, but kind of showing someone who actually has a spiritual practice, who actually right. has faith as something that's aspirational right, in their right, lives. Right, like, because right. for me, it was always like, I, you know, like being Muslim and, and this is a part of my life and I struggle with doing it to the expectations that I want, you know, and, and to adhering to this thing that brings really like amazing joy to me, to my family and all these things. And, and I hadn't seen any stories like that. It was always someone kind of like really trying to push away where they came right, from or right. kind of like crying to their, their parents and being like, you know, like, I, let me go to the prom or like, what, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like that kind of stuff right, and, and right. really feeling like, you know, um, most of the stories that got into any sort of, you know, diversity or anyone who was kind of Muslim was very much someone trying to separate themselves from it or trying to stake a claim in the right to not have to be it. Mm -hmm. And and I kind of wanted to do something that didn't feel caricaturish, you know, um, whether it be like, if you want to talk about faith honestly in, in movies and TV, it's always like literally faith-based films, which is like right. fucking no. Right. And, and then there's like, you know, angels actually in heaven and it's got to yeah. be like super heaven dressed up. And like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, there's and no like, Muslim version of that. Like there's no like faith-based audience for like Muslim movies. No, the faith, the, yeah, no, that's just not making a movie. Uh, that's, that's literally just yeah. being like, I have so much faith that I won't participate I, exactly. in this satanic act. Um, which is, that's its own genre of films that just don't exist but uh yeah no we don't have that but but it, it was yeah kind of wanting to put something um that kind of looked at it from the way that i feel like i do that many people do regardless of faith it's, it's just kind of you know there's what you you know what you believe and then there's what you actually do you know and there's a gap between those two things and yeah. and i wanted to kind of approach it from that angle without having to make fun of it or discount it or act like, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that I, you know, the character hates. Let's talk about writing for a bit. So, um, like, like a lot of, I think, writers, you know, um, you have this gift for mining your own story, right? Um, that you look to your own life and your own experiences to, to create not just your stand-up, but obviously the, the series um, on Hulu. Um, it's kind of a trap. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the one thing I always tell my, my students is that no matter how much your work is grounded in truth or in reality, I mean, you could be like just regurgitating actual experiences that happen to you the second you put it on paper, let alone on screen, yeah. it's not you anymore. It's this fake version of you, right? And what I think sometimes happens is that there is this weird um, dichotomy where now you've created this fake Rami. That fake Rami is out in the world. People love it. And now they think the fake Rami is the real Rami. Yeah. And so I guess my question for you is like, how do you, what, what separates you from the fake Rami? What's, what's the difference between the real Rami and the fake Rami? Um... You know, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. Like, like, you like, you've you lost get, track. Like, you, you get, don't know where you one get starts. So in deep that. in it, and, and yeah, and, and you're, you know, you're making something, and you're kind of like taking all these really personal things, and 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 trying to scale them, and expand them, and and turn them into something. And I mean, for me, uh, in the show, uh, it was really trying to create a version of my life that was less open. 
uh, than it actually is. I mean, mm-hmm. I think like for me, I have a family that's super communicative, but we can talk about things. But I know a lot of people in our, you know, in our culture who don't have that. And, right. and so a lot of it was really me kind of just like scaling back. Okay, let's say like I wasn't someone whose job it is to express themselves. <laughs> What would I look like? Kind of turn the dial that way. What would it look like if like, my dad and I didn't have a couple of those key conversations that we had growing mm. up, which I know happened to a lot of my friends. Let's dial it that way. And so it was really like, like really just trying to move over and, 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 and put it in, in that fiction, which made it a lot easier for my parents to see it when they did because they kind of watched it and they were like, well, that's not really us. Like, oh, it's kind of right. me, but it's like, nah, that's kind of Rami, but it's not. Because it was really trying to, like, imagine uh, a more trapped, stuck version of myself. You know, I didn't want to, like, right. be fully myself, whereas you're just kind of watching a guy, like, you know, do well in Hollywood. I don't know. Like, it's, like, not really watchable. It's just kind of like, oh, cool, he got the part, and he charmed the barista. It's like, <laughs> kill myself. Like, there's no there's no reason to watch any of that. And so I really kind of wanted to put it in, in, in a situation where, yeah, you based on a lot of people I know, based on, on a lot of ways my life could have gone. Uh, so that helps. So you managed to avoid uh, a problem that a lot of people have in doing it this way because it's one thing to write about yourself, to put yourself on screen or on the page, but it's another thing to create a version of your family because, you know, they're going to see it. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was that like? How did, how did you uh, manage to kind of negotiate the difference between the constructed family and your real family. I mean, did it, was there ever awkward moments? Or? Uh, no, it wasn't too bad. I because I, I always kind of felt like if I really just did my family, it would probably be too boring. Because like <laughs> right. we we like because you guys all love each other. There's and like, like stiffness, yeah, but like we'll eventually whatever. talk. It would just be a bunch of people like sending passive aggressive text messages. Like it's not really <laughs> going to be like a show. And I, and, I, and I felt like you know what. My goal was with the show was to really kind of interrogate this character of Rami, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really kind of put people around him who are asking tough questions and represent different things, you know, represent different ways of life for him and, and kind of have him be the one who still hasn't quite figured out what his path is. And and so really it was about like, okay, what type of path do we want the dad to represent? Right. Do we want the uncle to represent? Do we want the mother, you know? And so it, it, they kind of became um, nuanced, but archetypes of sorts that would ask the right questions and also bring up the right scenarios mm. for kind of what we're trying to do, you know, which is really, you know, question this person and, and really test him. And and for me, you know, even writing stand-up, so much of it is like me interrogating myself. And, and so how can I put some of those jokes and some of those things in other characters' mouths? And, and so we're really like building uh, the world that way. And, right. and so for my parents, I, I get, like they'd kind of watch it and they'd be like, well, there's like that one thing, but like not really, right. like whatever, you know. And, and so it was uh, it was a lot easier uh, to, to show it to them. Of course, you uh, not only kind of showed a version of your family in America, but then you showed a version of, of your family in Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I, I love those episodes because what I love and what you got so spot on about your Egyptian family is how much they love Trump. Like, yeah. I, I don't think people realize yeah, 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 yeah. this because my yeah. family, my, my father unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But if he were alive today, yeah. he'd have a Make America Great Again hat. I, yeah. I, sh- I shit you not. He would be like, that Trump, I don't know. He's got some good ideas. Like, I'd be like, Dad, what about the Muslim ban? He'd be like, well, you know, there's a lot of us here already. Like, yeah. it's, it's a good idea. There's too many. <laughs> like, yeah, if, if for no other reason then it would keep more of my mom's family out. Right, right, right. Like, for that reason alone, he would be like, Trump! Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Trump. You don't have to take anyone to the Grove. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
would, how do you yeah. explain that to people? I mean, it's, uh, it's just this like familiarity with like dictator energy, right? You know, I mean, it, it's really <laughs> right. that's what he sounds familiar. Grow, yeah, it's a strong man. <laughs> yeah. Like that's literally like I, I mean, I remember being in Cairo. It wasn't even so much my family. It was more like just being in cabs in Cairo, and you know, you need to tell people you're from America. And then you know, I remember this was the election year, and and they were uh, they said Trump, and then they said Edwalia. Which translates to the woman, like they weren't even calling her that. But but I will say the the it it, it wasn't even all like a on a sexist thing. It was also people in the Middle East are really familiar with who the Secretary of State is, right? In the U.S. because that's the person that really affects how things yeah. go in their country, right. and so. In this country, we now have like memorized who everyone in the cabinet is. People didn't even know what a cabinet was until Trump started putting like psychos in it. Like, right. like, like we didn't. No one knew anything. Yeah. It was just like, oh, Obama's a good dude. Those are some of his friends. Yeah. Like, no one knew who was on the cabinet. Now we like memorize it or whatever. Yeah. But forever, like you, you would walk to any person, a guy who couldn't read, he'd just be like Madeleine Albright. Like they know who. <laughs> who these people are and so for them hillary clinton was just like a super sour spot they like they just were not having it and so um there, some of it is that energy of like of of him being a guy and and, and then some of it is that and mm -hmm. and but it was always something that was really shocking to me and and a nuance that uh, obviously not all arabs are that way right certainly not everyone in my family or anything like that but older but older there's some it's this older thing yeah yeah, yeah it is this older thing yeah it's yeah. like they, they have like this nostalgia yeah. You know, they were like, he's like Nasser. Yeah. You know, we, we love him. Uh, he's the chosen one. Um, I wonder if there's, were there certain storylines or, or um, certain characters that, that you were constructing for the show um, based on obviously like real people and, and real events that, I don't know, that you, were, that, that you w didn't want to touch or that you didn't want to get that, that deep into? I, I ask this question because... Um, there's, one, there's an episode in the first season mm -hmm. where um, the actress who plays your mom, the legendary Hayam Abbas, who yeah. is like fucking the greatest. Yeah. Um, there's this episode about her. It's like a, it's kind of like a bottle episode. It's just you know like we follow her, uh, uh, you know, for a, a couple of days, and that episode broke me. Like yeah. I, 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 I shit you not, I had to turn it off halfway oh, because I suddenly saw my mom. Yeah. And I saw like you know, what life was like for my mom, you know, when we first got here and how kind of lonely she was and, and the, you know, the, the attempts that she would make to make friends. I mean, I, I had to turn it off. I still to this day have not seen all of that episode. Oh, um, man, the end is not. <laughs> Dude, it gets <laughs> um, But I, I wonder, like, were there, were there landmines? Were there things that you were kind of worried about stepping on? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, I was worried about every step of it, but there was nothing that I didn't put on screen because I was worried. Mm. Uh, stuff didn't make screen because of whether it was just like there wasn't enough real estate for it or because it ended up not being a good enough idea. But the whole show scares me and like continues to scare me. And I don't say that as a bit, I'm not even being sarcastic. Like I genuinely, there's stuff in there that has kept me up, continues to keep me up. I wonder how it will influence people. I wonder what it actually means for, for families who watch it. And I hope it does more good than, than not. But we're dealing with things that are super real. And like it, it, it does, uh, has always, and, and will always, like I will, in 30 years, it'll probably haunt me right. even more. Like I, and I'm like prepared for that. You know what right. I mean? And I think that that's important. I think it should. I think if it feels like it's the right thing, like right out the gate, or if it feels like, oh, this is good, like that's a problem. Like it, it should 
should feel there should be anxiety yeah. around it. Yeah. So do you have a, a like a funny immigrant mom story you want to share? I mean, I everybody's got an immigrant mom story. Yeah. Do you have one? I, I have more than one. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, one that won't get you in trouble. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to rack my brain for. Like, so I don't want to embarrass. It. My mom's just funny, man. She just like this is this, all right. This isn't like the most, but but this is just an example of how she thinks. Like, and maybe this has has affected me. But we, uh, my mom, uh, the other day, like this was like well, two months ago, and I was like back home, and and she um she was like freaking out that the pool had to be cleaned like because it got green like the color got green so she went out and she like wanted to buy this like 200 hundred dollar solution to like clean it in like three hours and then my dad was like no we don't need to spend that money to clean the pool like well i got this other solution it takes like two days and then the water will be clean and my mom in all seriousness like looks at him and she's like no but what if the people from google are doing the map and then they take a picture of our yard and the pool is green and they'll know and then for years everyone will google like google map our house and the street view and we're gonna have a dirty pool and like the yard's gonna look like and literally like made my dad clean the yard because google might be imaging us that's like that strangely <laughs> sophisticated anxiety so, like that's i'm actually kind of impressed with your mom sometimes i'm like why do i think about things the way i do it i'm like this is how i grew up my immigrant mom story is the opposite of that it, when we first came here uh from iran i remember we went to the grocery store and uh, and my mom, you know, put like the groceries on the on the little, you know, belt and uh, and the cashier like took the Cheerios and scanned it. And it was like three forty nine. And my mom goes, I give you two dollars. <laughs> and I was like, what? I give you two dollars, two dollars. And I was like, mom, the poor lady was like, we can't. Yeah, yeah it's three forty nine. Like it's yeah. not. And she's like, I walk away. I give you two dollars or I walk away. I was like, mom, like that's not how this works. It was like, just you like you guys the, like didn't eat dinner for months. <laughs> yeah. I think she, yeah. I think she actually got away with paying two dollars. They were like, yeah, lady, yeah, here's yeah. two dollars. <laughs> just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, I, what I'm curious about you as a, as a writer, right? Because you have these two genres that you go back and forth on, right? I mean, one is stand up, right, which involves essentially joke writing, sure. um, and the other is. Uh, serial and so you know that involves a writer's room there are other people there's and you know joke writing is i wouldn't say it's a solitary experience yeah, yeah. i mean i know enough stand-ups to understand that it is actually you know a, a, a negotiated experience right that you, there's an audience like it's a it's a dialogue it's a it's a relationship back and forth right it's not just some guy sitting in a room writing jokes on a piece yeah, of paper because yeah. that's not funny um but there is still a pretty big difference right one is just kind of you yeah and the other is a a consultation with other people and they have opinions and you know um tell me how you negotiate uh, the two what, what what's what's the difference for you when it really comes down to the actual craft of writing yeah it's uh it's weird it's, it is it's different like you i think of something this morning i can go do it in stand up tonight and i know if it works right the show is, you know, because you hear that laugh. And then the show is weird because you're sitting in a room writing with a bunch of people for months and then the laugh comes like 14 months later. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe, yeah. yeah. And you're not even really there. You're just like someone tweets something like, yo, that was dope or fuck you, you ruined the religion. Mm -hmm.
Hey there everyone, it's Reza. I'm sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this episode, well then, you're in luck, my friends, because Rough Draft is also a TV show. And you can watch it all right now, along with Topic's other original series and exclusive programming from around the world. You can check it out for free on the Apple TV app, which is already on your favorite devices. With Apple TV, you can watch Topic at home or on the go with offline viewing, and you can even share your subscription with up to six family members with family sharing, which is what I do because I have a gigantic family. Go to apple.co slash topic to start your seven day free trial now. That's apple.co slash topic. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think to me, um, you know, what I would say is that the the fundamental theme that I see in your stand-up, but certainly in the series, is just this notion of, like, how, how do you be good? How, how can you be a good person? And I think that's what draws so many people to the show. Because, you know, yes, you could talk about that it's about, you know... Uh, the experience of a Muslim millennial. Mm. It, it could be an immigrant story. It could be a family story. There are a lot of different themes that you that you deal with, but fundamentally, it's about just somebody asking themselves, "How can I be a good person?" Yeah. Which is not really. I mean, that's not the the the, the primary theme of a lot of thirty-minute comedies. Sure. Is what, I'm, yeah, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Particularly, yeah. like, it's not. It doesn't seem to me like the the most. Uh, uh, um, absorbing millennial occupation. Man, do I sound like an old man there? Do I sound like a... a yeah, I no, because I, like I actually think Don't millennials I? are, like, obsessed with it, actually. Like, I actually think that is something that the, that we are totally obsessed with, whether it be... Maybe it's not in, a, like, in terms of the monotheistic faiths, right. you know, a thing, but, but I think people are constantly trying to figure out, like, how do we save the planet? You know, like, should we be recycling? Like, I mean, I think everyone's yeah. constantly... We're the women's march generation. We're the, you know, we're... we're we're putting ourselves, I think, in uh, a lot of scenarios where we're asking that question because we feel like it hasn't been asked loud enough. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that um, makes it kind of a, a, a meeting point. But but I think it's, you know, while asking that question is how do we, like, be as honest as possible under that? So it's like yeah. a, a, lot, a lot of the time the, the question is asked, you know, how do I be good? But And, and also watch me, like be as good as possible and, and, and I think the, the approach that you know I certainly want to take with the stand-up and and that we continue to take with the show is you know I, I want to be good but watch me you know really give in to my ego watch me really give in to my desires watch me really give in to the bad voice not always the good one and 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 really not be afraid to show that you know mm-hmm. with all the characters you know I mean we have um, a lot of scenarios that I think you wouldn't necessarily show if you were trying to appear like you were already good. Right. And we have a lot of characters that you wouldn't show, uh, too, you know. And, and, and I think that um, that's what I think makes it um, more apparent that you're actually asking the question. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to show 
the 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 faults, then when you ask how do I be good, and, and like I'm like, oh, okay, like we mean it. You know, that's really the point. Is like we mean it, mm -hmm. and that's why we're showing everything because that this is the question that that we're, we're actually obsessed with. Well, then this lends itself kind of pretty well to the conversation that we started this with, which is the whole issue of representation, right? And the right. burden of, of uh, having a show that has become sort of bigger than probably you intended it yeah, to Yeah, without be, a doubt. Yeah, without you know, a doubt. Yeah, yeah. You've talked about like, well, look, what I really wanted to do was tell one person's story, one individual experience. Um, but that's not how it works when yeah. you're a part of a community um, particularly a persecuted community yeah, yeah. that is desperate, right? Desperate for any kind of representation. Um, well, let, let's talk. About, let's start there. Like, what what does it mean to you? What does representation mean to you uh, in in, the, in the, the course of this show? Like, how how do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like the um, the opportunity to be yourself. You know, wh whatever that is, mm -hmm. flawed, weird cool nice it, it could be wh whoever the person whoever the creator is I mean I think something that uh, people are really starving for in our communities is representation is like something to point to and and I, I think I understood while I was making this that this wasn't going to be quite what they were hoping it would be <laughs> you know like I, I remember seeing um, you know a, a press someone wrote when like our show got picked up and they were like Hulu's making the Muslim American sitcom we've finally been waiting for <laughs> and you were and like, I was like no they're I not yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure, if it's, I'm not sure if, when they're yeah. making one I don't know if it's the one you were waiting for and, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's a bit of a narrative jump that I understand like I think like there there have been so many reactions to the show that I totally get and mm -hmm. and I think it's because like when you look at uh, certain families that America hasn't known you know and, and you look back and you see the way we got to know them there's certain introductions like obviously everyone talks about the Cosby show Jefferson's you know right. um, and and then you get you know or blackish even now you know where, where it takes things from uh, you know a certain point of view and then you get things that are more abstract you get in Atlanta you get you know whatever it might be and, and obviously there have been like you know so many shows that you know represent all sorts of you know types of stories that start a certain way and then you kind of get a little weird and and I felt like uh, people a lot of people in the community were kind of like yo why, why'd you get weird right away <laughs> like like we kind of wanted like we kind of wanted yeah, yeah. Man, like we kind of just wanted you know we wanted to see a certain thing in a certain way and 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 what's really exciting about that and and what I what I feel is like you know that desire is still there which means like those shows will get made yeah. There will be like the Muslim version of 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 something that feels more like blackish, which is sure. a, a great show for the tone that it chooses to embrace. Right. And so I, I think what's uh, if we talk about representation, what's exciting to me is hopefully a show that's as specific as ours, where you watch it and you're like, wait, this dude didn't even cover this, 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 and this. It, it's actually super open for. Well, yeah, that's why this other show should do that, mm. you know, and, and I think it kind of shows, you know, people uh, on an industry level, you know, okay, if our show is like, quote unquote, a first or the first, then cool, like, how about do a second and do a third and right. do a fourth? Because that's that's what you would do with any other group. I mean, the, and, and, and that's what's, you know, But you do, you do 
feel the responsibility a little bit, right? I mean, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do sense the pressure. Oh, oh no, I totally, yeah. I totally, I totally <laughs> sense it. I totally feel it. And I totally ignore it because uh, it's not, yeah. it's not a place to create from. Because right. I think if you're, you know, trying to, it's, de- it's certainly not a timeless place to create from. Because if I'm trying to create a show just for 2018, 19, 2020, right. uh, it's going to be awful in five years. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that could stand the test of time is, me making choices that feel organic to me and you're not making a psa no 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 one i mean no one should be like my character you know i mean like (laughs) like when especially you know talking to like muslim community watching the show (laughs) this is like a how to not be muslim guy (laughs) half the time and and i think we make that clear and like we we sit in that right right? and i think that's what's what's exciting about it speaking of so uh you've you've talked about this thing that you call a la carte Muslim, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, which I love. Can you ex- explain real quick what you mean by that? Um, yeah, I was, I was just riffing on that. With, <laughs> with, with, I think I've been riffing on it with my friend Azhar. Uh, just talking about how everyone's kind of just got these different rules yeah. in that same struggle we all have, you know, yeah. it's like what we believe and then what we actually do right. and kind of seeing the way different people succumb to different things. And I have friends who won't have sex until they're married and do shrooms, you know, twice a month you know and 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 i wouldn't touch it but i have my own different you know so we all kind of have like uh yeah we pick and choose on certain levels um you know in our quest to to try yeah well so i I was actually thinking about this and um i thought we'd play a little game uh the two of us um you know we're both in kind of you know we're in the public eye and people know us as you know muslimish um and uh i want to play a little game that I call, how Muslim are you, okay? Uh, it's golf rules, so that means like the lowest score wins. Okay. okay? I'm, gonna get a, I'm gonna get a pencil out here. All right, so I'm gonna ask some questions and then we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll add up the scores and we'll find out which one of us is more Muslim than the other. Because it All should right. be a competition. It, yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what God created it. Like, it's like, who's the best? Okay, oh, all right. Uh, question number one. Well, this one's easy. Let's yeah. just start here. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking right now? Oh, the it's an Ar- Arnold Palmer. I think yeah. we call it a Rami Palmer. Yeah, the Rami Palmer. Okay. Yeah, All right. lemonade and iced tea. Lemonade. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm having a Jack and Diet Coke, uh, but the halal is whiskey. Okay, you win that one. I'll, I'll give myself one point for <laughs> okay. that. Okay, one. All right. Um, question number two: Have you ever been to Mecca? I have. No, I have not. Um, okay, that's another one. I'm waiting for new management. You know what I mean? That's fair. You know no, what I'm that's, saying? That's a whole conversation. Um, it's a whole other That's a thing. whole other, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Uh, question number three. Uh, do you have personal experience of how fucking delicious bacon actually is? I do not, no. You do not? I do not. I've only ever Shit. smelled it from I a distance. I am getting creamed yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking delicious. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, number four. Have you ever consumed the property and or wealth of an orphan? It's like a Quran. It's in, yeah, the, it's yeah. in the Quran, man. That's like uh, serious stuff. No, I haven't. Have you? Me neither. Okay, no. Okay, good. This that would great. have been a this weird is... point to give have... yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, thank God. Okay. Uh, number, number five has a, there's different uh, scores that you could get for okay. this. So uh, the question is, how well do you wash your feet? before you pray. So uh, one point if you actually get between the toes. Uh, two points if basically you just get your feet wet. Uh-huh. Um, three points if you keep your socks on. Right. Well, I, we know we did this whole opening bit in our show about 
my character being like, I'm not going to wash between the toes. Uh, and, and him kind of like arguing with this old dude. But I, I kind of made this deal with myself that I have to be better than my character on the show. If I'm going <laughs> to... So I, I used to be like a sock guy. Now I'm like a between the toes guy. Uh, uh, but that's like at the top of the day. So it's yeah. like, because there's all these... Once you kind of do go between the toes, once yeah. in the day, if you have socks on... You could sock. You just, just give like, me a point. Put 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 a point. Okay. Yeah. How about one point five? Yeah. 1. yeah 5. Give me a one point five because um, I, I go back and forth. But I, I I don't take my socks off because I just find the whole I don't I don't like my bare feet in public. So I'm gonna give myself three points and I'm getting creamed here. Okay. Uh, number six. Oh, did you have sex before marriage? Yeah. 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 If it was with a non-Muslim, I mean, yeah, 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 me too. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah me too. Just, yeah, yeah, this is not okay. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, number seven, very important, very mm. important. Have you ever performed sorcery? Because it's like it's a big Muslim no-no, apparently. Like you yeah, can't perform yeah, you sorcery. Can't. Yeah. No. I tried, but it wasn't successful. I went to like the Harry Potter thing, and I, I tried. By the way, have you noticed that? There are no Muslims at Hogwarts. Like, is that is it because of that? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think J.K. Because we're not allowed to. J.K. Rowling was just like super. Yeah. yeah so I'll give us zero zero points for both of us on that one. Uh, number eight. Have you ever charged anyone interest? No. Me no, neither. I haven't. I know. Yeah, I feel, I really, I feel good about that one. <laughs> I feel really good about that one. Most people I lend money to never pay me back. Actually, that's that's yeah. right. That's how. That's, that's the thing. You give of, it knowing. It's yeah, not it's coming never back. it's never coming back to you. That's what I would tell um, Colbert. Okay, now number nine is you take you take your your uh, points. Hold on, I have one, two, three, four, five. Shit, I have eight, and you have uh, three and a half. Damn it. Okay, now add one point. Wait, how do I have three and a half? You have three and a half. You you the, the, the you got the one one point five for that one. The sex thing. That's oh great. yeah yeah the that sex was, thing that was, was a big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and it was with a non-Muslim. That yeah, really no, for that, sure. that kind yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, now add one point yeah. for each trip you have taken to Las Vegas for any reason at all. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I'm screwed here. Hold on. Let me think. I went once for comedy. Any, any reason at all. There's I no went, reason. Yeah, no, I went once for not comedy. Uh, yeah, tw I've been there twice. But and both times only twenty four hours. Okay, I just want you to know that you got a five point five and I got a twelve. Wow. Which means you were way more Muslim than I. <laughs> uh, and you win. You win heaven. No. <laughs> is that his topic? Uh, that was it. That's your has your the clearance to do that. Your prize yeah. is heaven. Yeah, to make that happen. So one thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, and um, uh, obviously you deal with a lot of issues uh, on the show. A lot of those issues come from your own experiences, uh, but there are limits to you know what you can and cannot you know experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you're a dude. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah, um, and so. Uh, what I was kind of curious is like, as hard as it is for Arami Yusuf mm -hmm. to get, you know, his show uh, on the air, Rami, um, I just feel like it would be so much harder if you were a girl, like if you were a Muslim woman. Yeah. And like at a hijabi woman. Sure. And so I found a hijabi woman. 
who actually writes for you. Sahar Jahani is here. Everybody bring it up for Sahar Jahani, yeah? Yes? Sahar, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we figured we needed, you know, a little female presence up here. Appreciate Thank it. you also for not playing the How Muslim Are You game because I have a feeling you would have kicked our asses and it would have made me even feel worse than well, I already feel. That impression. We're already <laughs> on the wrong page. Like... We're making assumptions. Uh, welcome to the bar, Thank by you. the way. Yeah. Um, no, we, you know, it, I really wanted to talk to you because, you know, we we make so much about how difficult it is to sort of get the Muslim voice, you know, in entertainment, and I think we forget about how much greater the degree of difficulty is when that Muslim voice comes from the mouth of a woman. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of the experiences that you've had? I know you had you had, did some writing on the on the first season. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little about um, how you decided that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. I did write <laughs> on the Rami season one show. Uh, no, but I mean, it's tough for women. I mean, I, I don't know very many Muslim women writers, first of all. Mm -hmm. like. A few are up and coming, so that just gives you a sample of like how many people are in this industry to begin with, like Muslims in general. Yeah, yeah we all and know each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah, I yeah. like we met even before Rami started the show. There was like five of us in Hollywood, yeah. and we're like, we should be friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and we were like, I think we we kind of yeah. got to know each other before that, and I was actually like on the studio side, like at a network called YouTube Originals. Um, that no one here knows, but uh, I was on the other end of like the sausage making process, kind of seeing it all unfold. Yeah. Um, actually, I think we met Reza. I pitched you a project <laughs> and you rejected it. Oh, so I'm just gonna go. Away. This is all a fake thing, just for me get to get you me. up here. <laughs> And get, no, I'm just kidding. As a lowly assistant, I had that power um, to reject your show. No, but like that was the goal, right? Like That's that was. Really yeah. <laughs> like, thank like you. A, she's yeah, like an executive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but like that was the goal to become an executive. Like I yeah, thought that to be a was. a decision maker. Right. I thought yeah. like the power existed there. Like I was on my way, but. I was reading scripts all day because that's like all you do as an assistant and literally reading trash like it was just mm. horrible and every time we had you know a diverse writer people would freak out they would get really excited because they're like <laughs> we got the diverse writer yeah. and I was like what does that even mean right. um, and, and and the lack of like creatives really was a problem when we wanted to staff shows we you know, there's a, a very few talented, diverse writers. I'm using mm. that in quotes. But the problem is, like, we just need to, like, you know, bring them up with each other. Like, we need to give them opportunities, and then hopefully they'll become the showrunner. They'll become EP-level writers. So I saw a gap in that world, and I was mm. like, I got it. I got to go in there. Um, and I and I that's what I decided to do. I want you to went write. from being a, an assistant an to well, I was an executive. Yourself, yeah. I want to clarify that, but uh, <laughs> no, I was like a coordinator, which basically right. is like the bitch who does all the work <laughs> right, in the yeah, back room. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, just like you tracking no stuff. Credit for yeah, it yeah. No, I mean, yeah. it was great, right? Like you get the behind the scenes, like business end of stuff that a lot of writers don't always see. They don't mm -hmm. know like how decisions are are made. So it's, it's important for me to know that knowledge now going into a room or a pitch and being like, 
I know that they've like tuned out. <laughs> like I can tell when someone's done with the pitch or whatever it is. So it's, it's important to know the business angle and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's been very helpful. So what do you want to get like when when you are now deciding, OK, I'm going to be a creator and I'm going to actually write the stories that I that I would like to to see. Mm -hmm. What are those stories like? What what are you looking for um, in the kind of, of scripts that you gravitate towards? Yeah, I mean, initially when I got into this industry, I think there was a huge push in the 9-11 era, I like to call us, the kids who grew up post 9-11 as Muslims to like get into media mm. and like change the narrative. And I did a ton of like fellowships and workshops that were just like, Muslims are gonna do it, we're gonna make it. And uh, we're gonna change the narrative. And I, I thought that meant like, all you wanted to see was positive representations of Muslims. And to, I think our broader right. community, that just means like Muslims who do everything right. right quote unquote, yeah. the yeah. right way. And that's just not how humans are. It's also not interesting. It's Nobody not interesting. wants to see that. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought I aspired to. And then I think working on Rami's show actually really, really changed my perspective. <laughs> Screwed you up? Yeah. Uh, no, like, like, honestly. Oh, this is shit. <laughs> this is amazing. I can, no. It was, I mean, I, I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. Uh, but it was, honestly, I, I haven't told you this, but it was, life-altering for me like it was the first time I was in a room with other Muslims slash writers and just creatives I was not in an office space I was not at the mosque so it wasn't like a halaqa you know like yeah. but we were talking very honestly about issues that we were facing and mm. you know Rami's vulnerability in the room really helped me understand my perspective on things and it helped me shape um like honestly like what I believe in like I really the self-examination that he's talking about I think we all did that in the room and it was honestly like you know thinking about why do we make those choices that we make why do we practice things a certain way and it just all came down to like my background versus his background it was really important to have those diverse pr perspectives because like obviously all Muslims are different we're mm -hmm. three Muslim people sitting here and we all have I'm sure different ways of practicing our faith yeah. so that was honestly like life-altering for me so tell me, uh, what does the show Sahar? <laughs> What's Sahar about? I would never name a show after myself. <laughs> uh, number yeah, one, number one crazy. rule. What that's kind of a crazy. narcissistic asshole <laughs> would name a show after himself? <laughs> but anyway. Um, I can't tell you just, this, <laughs> it was a last ditch. Like, we were thinking <laughs> we of every name. We pitched on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, literally, yeah. and then Hulu announced like a different show. Mm -hmm. They were like, we picked up this other show and, and also in the like next spring is we're debuting our show Rami. And then I found out from an article that the show was gonna be called yeah. Rami. Like I literally saw it in the thing. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what, it's actually, that's what I, we're gonna do. I, I created a show called Allah in the Family. You're, you did it right. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I read that script. Shut up. I did. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, I mean, I now like just coming out of that room and being in, in another room that's completely unrelated to my identity or religion like mm. I'm on 13 reasons why which mm. I can publicly say my show <laughs> said I can say it. Um, and that show is like has nothing to do with me and it's great like I don't want to necessarily be known as the Muslim woman writer right. I want to be known as a good writer which was so important for me to go out there and get on another show that had nothing to do with my identity but that doesn't mean that I'm not interested in those topics so for me it's like showing Muslim women in a very nuanced a human way that we see Muslim men. Like I think um, there is a privilege to being a man like you guys talked about. Mm -hmm. And you know, the show talks about those privileges very openly. And I think even though we had women characters and we, tr you know, we tried to have various women, females on the show, the show is essentially about Rami and it's mm -hmm. about his journey. So, you know, 
a lot of people felt like the women were tokenized in a way because Rami meets Rami's character meets a girl, mm -hmm. they they have sex, whatever. But that's his journey. Yeah. First season, you're really like building the world. Second season, you get to play with it and kind of right. get into more nuances. Uh, but ultimately, it's never really gonna do what. I mean, it's not called Sahar, but it's never really going to do what, right. what a show that, that really is following a, a Muslim woman yeah. would be able to do. And, and I think what I think about a lot, too, is like there's this thing to getting it made, which is it's just, as you know, it's impossible to make a show. It, like, it, takes, it, it's, it is the craziest I, I, process. I am always amazed that any show ever gets the made. The worst thing you've yeah. ever watched people cried over to like it make it and you just, just and, yeah. and you think oh man they did nothing they did so much you know it it, it really um it, it takes so much to to make something there's that hurdle but the other thing i think about a lot that um you know for me it's like wanting to support muslim creators who are making things i mean we talk a bunch about what's next like what can we make that has like something that follows a, a a muslim woman but the thing that i think about a lot is okay if the show that i made now if that character was a woman the show from our communities would get so much more blowback yeah, yeah. i mean the things that totally. I, mean, I get away with yeah. versus what would yeah. happen for a woman. Like, there's even the woman who plays my sister on the show, Mekal Maui, yeah. I think she gets more hate than I do, and she didn't even write it. <laughs> right. Like, she's just acting yeah. it, and people, like, yeah. hit her up, and they're like, how could you do this? And she's like, I was an, yeah. an actor in the thing. I mean, like, the call opinions Rami. that the audience and just anyone in general has about the, the, the female characters are insane. Like, Twitter was yeah. talking about Dina, the character that May plays, both like positive, positively and yeah, yeah. like negatively. Like it was, sure. there was just across the board different opinions, and that's the point. It's like not everyone's gonna relate to her journey, and you know we had one episode with her. Hopefully there'll be more storylines mm -hmm. about her, but people were like all over the map on her character, um, and I just I think that just goes to show like how much more nuanced it is for women and particularly Muslim women to yeah. talk about sex, to talk about virginity. Like that was what her episode was about, and it it, it totally. I think created so much conversation online. Yeah, there's just a different level of criticism, yeah. like which is which is I, I and and it gets so much weirder yeah. for a woman. Well, that, that by the way has nothing to do with Islam. That's yeah, just, that's just how we think of women. Oh, no, that's yeah, like yeah, exactly. that's, right. yeah. female characters, yeah. any show, we're yeah. dealing with it on our show. Like it's 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 uh, in any TV and any media, women's bodies right are always going to be policed, and there's always going to be way more thoughts about, mm -hmm. you know, sexualizing women versus not sexualizing them and how do you portray that, so. Yeah. Well, I for one cannot wait for the premiere of Sahar. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Sahar Jahani. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so we have a long tradition here at Rough Draft. Uh, we always end our shows with what we call the five questions. So I'm going to give you the five questions here and you just, mm -hmm. whatever, like, comes to your mind okay. first. Okay, question number one. What's your favorite book? The Autobiography of Malcolm X, Alex Haley. That's, that's impressive. Uh, what's your writing process? Tell us about your writing process. Man, I'm trying to pin it down. It, it's, um, it's, I, I think I've, I like writing in the early mornings. I used to, I think when I was writing season one, I was pulling all-nighters. Mm -hmm. So I'd like pull like two a week and that was really difficult on me. And then now it's kind of shifted into like waking up really early and trying to like, which I, I kind of was like trying to be like, okay, let me try to be a better Muslim, like wake up, pray Fajr, <laughs> right, yeah. wake up, pray Fajr, yeah. and then start writing. Yeah. Um, uh, How'd that and, 
you know, it's hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> it's hit or miss. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like pin it down and it, it, it can feel really evasive because stand up is, is really instantaneous. And so my writing process with that is, you know, I think of the bit, I think of a couple of punchlines and it's those bullets. And then I kind of go out, try it. I record right. myself. I'll listen back to it between mm. sets. I'll do like three sets a night and then just kind of like listen, go tweak, and then just kind of internalize what works. Writing on the page just takes a whole different level of discipline, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you jerk off three times minimum per script. Yeah, yeah it's like per episode, I think is a minimum <laughs> of like, of yeah. three times three jerking off, That's and then looking the at yourself average. in the mirror yeah. and being like, you, this will never work, <laughs> and then, uh, and then it does, yeah. Uh, if you weren't a writer, what would you be? <sighs> Man, I don't know. Like I, 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 um, that's literally the right question. I re like, I really don't know. I, I, it's tough. Cause I, I feel like I'd be selling something. I don't know what it would be. Like I, like I'm not, I'm like not door to door. Sure. <laughs> you could be a like door to door Quran salesman. <laughs> That'd be really successful. Just knock on people's we doors do need and a be better, like, "Hi, yeah. do you need a Quran?" We need a better ground game. Don't do yeah. that. No, I, I wish I had a good answer. I, because I was going to school for like, you know, I was going to a path to go to law school, and and it, it really just wasn't. It was never going to click. Like it really wasn't going to happen. And so, um, yeah, I, I never like. There were many times where you know, throughout the years where you're kind of like, am I supposed to do this? Should I not? Should? And like, but I would always be like, well, I, there's nothing else I can right. do. Right. So this is kind of what, what, it, what it has to be. Yeah. What's the worst writing advice that you've ever been given? You know, there was, um, there was a teacher that, that I had, uh, in college who like when I when I started to like piece together like what his actual advice was like I never even took it but his whole thing was just like yeah man put on something you like and like look at how they did it and then just do it he was essentially mm -hmm. saying like just like plagiarize just somebody yeah else. he was just yeah. saying like just plagiarize <laughs> yeah. and I remember like kind of confronting him about it and being mm -hmm. like wait if we kind of like approach it this way like are we ever going to make anything <laughs> that like actually like how do you feel good about yourself if you do that and uh but he was a a, a professor so he, he didn't feel good about himself which many professors don't I, I know you are one I'm sorry but uh I, I don't know where your internal compass is on that but most of them uh it's tough I feel like I yeah. just don't yeah. know where to go from there <laughs> And finally, what's the best writing advice that you could give to a, a, a new or emerging or struggling writer? Uh, kind of touched on it before, but like it should make you pretty anxious. Like you should be nervous about it um, in a good way. I think I think it sh it should feel like um, it's challenging the audience, but also challenging yourself. Mm. I think sometimes you write something just to challenge an audience that can be kind of like trolling or like provocative in a way that is just for the sake of provocation. I think right. it should really make you feel like, oh man, like, you know, and, and I guess it's kind of advice I've, you know, that's out there, but, but it really is true. Like, what is the thing that you would have trouble admitting? And, and that's really the place to, to be at and, and to make sure that, you know, every character that's in there has something like that, you know, has a right. thing. Because that's, that's what inner life is for any character. It's like, right. what's the thing that they wouldn't want to admit? You know, and, and making sure you have that for every character and making sure that even if it doesn't come out right away, like it, it will come out and, 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 and having that life be there. And, and, and that really only comes if you're doing that to yourself while you're writing. 
That's actually really, really good advice, and I'm stealing that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're a professor. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to yeah, tell him yeah, yeah. and tell, <laughs> pretend <laughs> that it's mine, <laughs> uh, but in a sad way, yeah, in yeah. a really <laughs> sad way. So uh, we have a little surprise for you. Um, uh, found out that you know part of your writing process is that you like to listen to music, and one, one band in particular, L1011. Yes. Uh, Los Angeles' own L1011. Uh, well, we told them that, uh, you know, this is a part of your writing process, that their music yeah. is very inspiring to you, and, and they agreed to come here and perform, which, by so the way, cool. So cool. is a very, very big deal. I mean, this is a band, San Francisco Weekly literally said watching L1011 perform live is like watching two superheroes do their thing. <laughs> So, are you ready to watch a couple of superheroes do I'm, their thing? I, I couldn't be more excited. Too. We I've have. Been, I've been listening to them since college. Like, it, this, yeah, it's really cool. That'll make them feel old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will make them feel even older. Oh, well, for reference, I read one of your books in high school. Fuck. <laughs> I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to try to salvage what's left of my pride here and introduce <laughs> Christian Dunn and Tim uh, Fogarty of L1011. Their new album is a reissue of their very first album 15 years ago, self-titled L1011. Ladies and gentlemen, L1011. So dope.
L1011. Yeah. Pick up the reissue of their first album, self-titled uh, L1011, 15 years later, it's back. Last question for you. Um, what do you hope for the future? Like when you're looking uh, down the line five, ten years from now, you yeah. know, when we're talking about Muslims on TV, Muslim storytellers, what, what's your hope for the future? Uh, the, even the first part of that's gone, you know, it's storytellers. And we just have people who uh, are Muslim, who are just part of the zeitgeist for a variety of reasons. That, that we get the ability to be super weird. You know, like, so I, I, I love watching super weird shit, man. Like, I watch, like, like Eric Andre or, like, Tim and Eric. And, and it's, like, to have Muslims who are even in that vein and just doing that yeah. would be so awesome. So, right now, like, our generation just has to be like, hey, we're not, our mission isn't to kill you. Like, yeah. like it's, like, very baseline right, kind right. of stuff. And, and, and that's important or, or whatever, and we got to do it. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad to, like, bring nuance to those things. But, uh, yeah, in terms of for our communities, is just the ability to really experience and express art in the way that everyone else gets to, where it's not a defense. Uh, it's just expression. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> Rami Yusuf, everyone. Thanks, Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Rami Yusuf for talking with me on the pod today. You can follow Rami Yusuf at Rami, R-A-M-Y. If you want to follow Sahar Jahani, she can be found at Sahar underscore Jahani, J-A-H-A-N-I underscore. And you can even follow L1011, at L1011. That's the numbers written out, 1011, L1011. Thank you to all three of my guests, Rami Youssef, Sahar Jahani, and L1011 for joining us on Rough Draft. Rough Draft is a topic original series hosted by me, Reza Aslan. Executive produced by Reza Aslan, David Andrioni, Alfredo De Villa, and Safa Samizadeh Yazd. Executive producers for Topic are Ryan Chanitry, Anna Holmes, and Gina Constantinakos, with production aid from Russell Sperberg. Our music and theme is by Jacob Snyder, sound by Sean Oakley, editing and mixing by Will Stanton, with additional editing by Blake V. You can follow Rough Draft on Twitter, at Rough Draft Reza, on Facebook, at Rough Draft with Reza Aslan, or you can email us at roughdraftpodcast at topic.com. You can also follow me, Reza Aslan, at Reza Aslan. For transcripts and a list of full credits, go to topic.com slash rdpodcast. If you love this interview, be sure to check out our TV show, as well as Topic's original series and exclusive programming from around the world. Try it for free on the Apple TV app already on your favorite devices. You can watch Topic at home or on the go with offline viewing, and you can also share your subscription between up to six family members with family sharing. That's what I do. Just go to apple.co slash topic, that's apple.co slash topic, to start your seven-day free trial now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Rough Draft. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.